Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Paul Roberts today. He's the MD at Predictive Discovery. They are an ASX uh, Greenfields Explorer. And we talked to him last July, getting an update today, starting to see some uh, dual results coming through. Not bad. Uh, we talked to him about you know cash position, what they're going to do, main resource coming out in the middle of the year. So lots uh, to talk about. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, some of the topics specifically, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at correctsinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. Fascinating stuff. Insights uh, and commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies, including our weekly shows. Um, there are training courses to help you with your uh, diligence process. We've got summaries of interviews that we've done on other companies, just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving group of individuals and investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from trolling, abuse, and judgment, uh, go and join them at correctsinvestor.com forward slash club. Hope you, hope you think that sounds nice. Paul, how are we, sir? Very well, thank you, Matt. Wonderful. Well, wonderful to speak to you again. We haven't spoken since, I think, July last year. Uh, you've been busy getting on with it, but I think but here's something for people to work now. You're actually one of my favorite interviewees of last year. Did you know that? <laughs> well, I'm, I just recently learned it. Yes. Right. Okay. Because uh, I said to you, I said to you before we started, uh, and, and the reason is because you know you are a Greenfields Explorer, and you have sort of multiple projects. Because Greenfield Explorer, you need to you need a few options on the table. And we went through the portfolio, and you were refreshingly honest about the, the state of play of some of some of those within the different countries. We were talking about Burkina Faso, we were talking about Cote d'Ivoire, and obviously you're main project in, in Guinea. And I, I just kind of love that um, conversation. So there you go. There you go, everyone listening to this. Paul's a good guy. Um, so we're going to talk about predictive discovery today. Press release uh, out. Obviously, great stuff there. I want to talk through that in, in a second. But first, for people new to this story, in case they missed it first time around, can you give us that one minute overview? And we'll pick it up from there. Okay, so predictive, as you said, is the Greenfields Explorer. Uh, we have made a discovery in Guinea. Uh, it's on the Bankam project where we have quite a large ground position, um, which we're actively exploring. We're also exploring elsewhere in Guinea, but the focus is on the Bankam project. And we're, we're looking to take that Bankam project through to a maiden resource estimate um, in the middle of the year. Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. Um, like I say, so can you can you just sort of talk to us about, um, we, we talked last time about Burkina Faso and Cote d'Ivoire. Okay, Burkina Faso parked up. Okay, and I'll put a link below to the previous interview, which people should watch if they, if hopefully, I think they will be interested at the end of this conversation uh, in predictive discovery. Um, Cote d'Ivoire with uh, Resolute Mining, how's that JV uh, motoring along? Yeah, it's it's going along okay. Um, we are we are in constant conversations on our projects outside of Guinea uh, to look for ways to uh, essentially um, reduce the amount of money we have to spend on them, reduce the amount of effort we have to put into them, and focus in Guinea. So there are conversations going on um, along those lines uh, in Cote d'Ivoire and also in Burkina Faso. Right, but have have they moved? Because there are two projects there. So have they been moving those along? I think we talked about um, one of the projects, perhaps not being quite the million ounce uh, project that uh, Resolute might be looking for. They were going to go explore um, further further north, I believe. So w what's been happening there? Are they spending money, or is it a focus for them? 
Uh, right now, I don't think it's a focus for them, um, and there's not a lot of work going on. So this is one of the reasons why we're in discussions to see if we can find a different way. Great. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Let's talk about Guinea. Saw the results this morning. Not too bad. You happy? I'm very happy. And, and the reason I'm very happy is because previously in the oxide zone, we'd started off, you know, as we've acknowledged, drilling in the wrong direction because we had no indications of the orientation of the deposit. So we drilled quite a lot of holes from east to west. And even though most of them were, were gold mineralized in the oxide zone, it's very difficult for us to know whether, whether indeed it was more or less continuous um, across that, that zone of oxide, or actually it was quite patchy and we had, we would, you know, luckily or unluckily drilling down columns of mineralization with gaps in between. But when we drilled in the opposite direction, quite close base drilling now, you can see that um, the bulk of the mineralization is reportable intercepts. And we've got to, you know, on those sections, you can see a, a block of mineralization uh, or a block of oxide zone, very largely mineralized, about 200 meters wide, 50 to 70 meters deep, um, probably 80% recoverable, strip ratio for an open pit, you know, negligible, not super high grade. Um, but the thing is the economics of that kind of material are just magnificent because, because you're, you're practically, the only mining you're doing is mining ore. So there's, the waste ore is not there, it's soft. Um, you know, gold recovery should be good. There's nothing not to like about it. So I'm very, very pleased with those results. So talk to people about, I've invested in, in, in Guinea. I sort of understand what's going on there, but I think most people will want to understand, you know, what's typical of the region. If you don't, if you don't mind, just going to explain where gold, gold miners are looking for. You talked about oxides, obviously, which is helpful. So, well, firstly, in Guinea, weathering is very deep, typically. And so it means, I mean, in our case, um, the base of oxidation is about 75 metres deep. In other places, it's even deeper than that. Um, and so, and so um, what we've seen is with these um, deposits or th these mines, which are focused on the oxide, they actually mine at quite low grades. Um, and so <clears throat> a case in point is Sigiri. We talked about it last time, uh, I think. Um, and uh, Sigiri is a, a big operation. They've mined over many years. They've mined oxide, very deep oxide uh, through there. Their head grade has rarely been above a gram a tonne. And yet it's been highly profitable for most of its history. And the reason for that is that you've got this pattern of mineralization, deep weathering, uh, low stripping ratio, uh, lots of gold in the oxide. So when you have that, it's a giant free kick. When you have a look at Lero, so Lero is a Nord Gold operation, um, and there they've, they've been mining both the oxide and primary, and indeed they're mining primary in Sagiri now as well. But again, the grades haven't been very much higher than a gram. And again, it's operated very well. So oxide mineralization, particularly when it's as consistent as the material that we're looking at seems to be, um, is a gigantic free kick uh, for um, uh, for economics. And what it does do is, of course, if you get all of that at the beginning, um, then it makes it much easier to pay, to pay back your capex. It opens up possibilities like we saw at Sagiri, for example, is you have an oxide mill. And then when you get down into the primary, you've generated so much cash that it makes it much easier to build a sulfide mill. I'm not saying we're going to do that, but that's in fact what um, uh, Anglo did. So, you know, that that is a possible route for us to consider. So that's why it matters so much. Okay, so where do you go from here? Okay, I'm looking at your share price. It was about eight cents when we spoke. It's obviously down around to five and a half, nearly six um, at, at the moment, depending on what day, the day of the day of the week. So, what are people missing? Well, I think that 
what they're missing above all is is there's this comparison game that goes on with gold stocks, um, and and people are looking for for the um, the keys, if you like, for what what should make a good deposit or not. And of course, it's a saying that's been floating floating around for decades: the grade is king. So people look for high grade intercepts. What the, what I think that is sometimes missed is that. High-grade intercepts don't tell you about average grade, and they don't tell you about mining performance. And in fact, in many deposits where you have very high grades, you find if you look in detail at the at the drill cross sections, you find you get high grade, and then you get low grade. And so, what it means is that you've got an ore body which is intrinsically patchy. And one of the reasons that's a great disappointment, um, quite often with these kinds of projects, not always by any means, but quite often is when you've got this very patchy grade, that the bulk grade, the grade of the resource is so much lower than what people expected, then they get very disappointed when the when the, the maiden resource estimate comes out. If you've got something which is not as high grade, but has consistent grade distribution, you get you get some real benefits. Firstly, you, you have a look at um, the cross sections and and the plan, you know, the longitudinal slide we're putting out. And what you see is much closer to what you're going to get in the bulk grade of the, of the gold deposit. Um, so it's, it's much easier to understand. But the other thing is uh, that when you, when you mine this material, you get broad zones like we have, broad zones uh, which are all going to go into the mill where you, you don't suffer from two really important problems in mining. And one is called ore loss and the other is called dilution. So ore loss is when you go in and you mine a bit of, of rock because you think there's ore there and there isn't. So you mine waste, but you don't know it. And, and um, um, sorry, that's, uh, no, it's dilution. It's the other way around. Um, and all loss is, is, in fact, you think it's waste, so you put it on the waste stockpile, but it's actually got ore in it. So, so that happens when you've got very inconsistent ore body. So we've got a consistent ore body. The bulk grade is not huge. Nonetheless, the bulk grade is good. And also you have the other real benefit in, a, in this kind of system, which is more disseminated, is that you can actually adjust the grade in accordance with the economic by changing the cutoff grade because, you, because you're not going to lose very much gold if you increase the cutoff grade a bit, but it will increase the bulk grade. So you have that opportunity in a consistent type of ore body. So all of those factors make this translation from what we have, this big, these big broad zones that we're getting, um, very attractive to modern mining methods. Right, and I'm just put, I'm going to put that in English for people. So basically, Sorry. <laughs> you've got this big um, homogenous, meaning it's consistent grade throughout, low grade. Think Equinox worth several billions. Think Premier Mines worth seven, eight hundred million who are mining or is it 0.4? Okay, so that, I think that's a, what people probably will look to. So I, I agree with you. People want these and get excited by these sexy high-grade headline numbers, but the understanding the economics of that is always uh, a little bit more complicated. So, okay, so um, you, you, that's where you are today. But nevertheless, I'll come back to it. People aren't listening here because it's, it, you know, the liquidity is not there, share price is down, you're a good guy, you know what you're doing, and you're getting on with the business of, of doing the geology. But you said to me, you're not a miner, you're, you're an explorer, geologist and that's what excites you do you feel that you could be doing a better job talking to the marketplace and explaining this to them would you need someone to come in and support you on that front because you're getting on with the business of geology it seems um yes I, you know i, I mean you, you all need, always need help and i'm a technical guy 
um, um, I, you know, I, I, it's worth saying that I have been all the way down through feasibility studies before. So it's not as if um, doing this part of the business is something that's beyond me. I'm not a purely greenfields um, exploration geologist. Um, and obviously, I've worked in mining companies, so I've got that experience. But I'm also conscious of the fact, and this is what I said last time, is that we have to evolve to become a miner. Um, and one of, one of those issues is not just about um, promotion, but in that promotional space, I mean, there's a, there's a number of elements. Firstly is how you speak about the project and to what extent people are convinced by that speech. So that's one, one important thing. There's a second one is, is about the, um, the composition of the board. And when people look at the board, um, they, they look at it from a, if you like, a financial point of view. Have these people made money for us before? Now, we understand that. We, we have been um, looking and, and, you know, it's not much more than I can say, but we've certainly been looking at, at um, adding talent to the board, uh, which, which will give a message to the market um, that this is a team that's evolving towards the end goal. And then, of course, what it will also do is it will give us a greater ability to manage that evolution because we'll have more people in the team who've done it before. So that's... that's um, a process uh, uh, that we're, we're certainly engaged on now. More than that, I really can't say, but certainly seeing some evolution in the board um, and and uh, and also then following that with the development of, of the best team to take us through feasibility and, and into development is something that's very much front of mind. Okay. Well, that's good news. That's good news indeed. Um, but the other thing you were going to try and um, deliver is a maiden resource uh, I think we talked about at some point towards the end of this year. Um, so both board changes or board additions rather, not changes, board additions and maiden resources cost money. How are you for cash at the moment? Uh, we're, we're a bit below $12 million, so so we're Aussie. So we're in, in very good shape. Um, right. So, yes, so we have no real problem there. Um, and the maiden resource, I mean, the advertised date for the maiden resource is the middle of the year. So we're still shooting for the middle of the year. Okay, fine. And what, and and you know, you get to define what size of maiden resource you want to go to market with, right? So, what sorts of numbers should we be expecting? What's in what's going on up here and the conversation at, at, within the board? <laughs> well, that's a sixty-four dollar question, isn't it? So, I mean, the answer is um, that we do not want to go out of the market with less than a million ounces. Um, and and uh, we want it to be as big as it possibly can, and beyond that, I can't say. Right. Okay. But, but you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of gold stories in that whole Caribbean belt, um, and there's a lot of million dollar stories. There's a lot of million ounce stories there, right? So you're going to have to do something to stand out from even them, let alone the other kind of gold stories, the other precious metal stories, mining stories in the world, because you know investors have have options. So how do you stand out? Well, I think the way that we stand out is is what the potential upside is. I mean, what we're talking about is a maiden resource estimate. The word maiden is really important. Um, you know, we've got 30 kilometres of strike length um, within which Bankan and the Bankan, Northeast Bankan and Bankan Creek uh, prospects are known. Um, we keep on doing this regional exploration. We keep on finding more gold um, in various places. Um, there's, there's, it's actually quite likely that in places where we're drilling that long strike, there'll be more because there's some uncertainty in the shallow subsurface of what we're doing this auger drilling. So we're going to do exploratory drilling to find that out. And we've got most of the strike length has never seen a drill hole by anybody, 
not by us, not by anyone beforehand. So this is clearly going to be a growth story. And, and I think that there's a great opportunity for us to, um, uh, to grow beyond whatever the maiden resource number is uh, to be something, um, you know, really significant. And it's, it's, that's, that's what I think people need to look at. So how, how many drills have you got going at the moment? Uh, currently, um, on, in Guinea, we've got three rigs, uh, one diamond drill rig, one air core, combined air core diamond drill rig, which is doing diamond drilling, and one combined air saw diamond, uh, RC uh, diamond drill rig, and that's doing RC. Beyond that, we've got three auger rigs operating. Currently, we're just waiting for the processed aeromagnetic data to come back to us for the Bankan project. Um, so we've got one operating on the project. We've got a couple on the other ones. So one on CanCan, which is about 80 kilometres to the east, one on Kundian, which is about 120 kilometres to the east, northeast. Um, we'll bring at least one of those back once we've sorted out those targets. So, so currently four. Uh, but there will be five um, in the next few weeks. Yeah. And do you think do you think there's a kind of optimum pace at which you can move? Because they, the other part of this is this, you need to feed the market with stories consistently. So you see there's a lot going on. You've got 12 million bucks in the bank. Surely you can ramp things up. Um, yes, you can ramp things up. But the thing is that we are spending shareholder money. And at some point, we'll have to go back to the market again. Um, and there's a rational way of doing things. So we're going, we're going pretty well, actually. One, one of the reasons, is, of course, the ore body is quite conducive for quite broad space drilling to deliver resources, which, which is a benefit for us. Um, and um, we've got, I think we've got enough, enough um, uh, equipment on on board for us to take us up to this next milestone um, without needing to add to it. If we have to add to it, then we will. Um, uh, but I think that at this point, we're, we're, we're well enough served with the capacity we've got. We're drilling, everything is drilling double shift. Even one of the auger rigs is drilling double shift. So there's, um, you know, there's plenty of capacity to, uh, to move this along at the, at the pace that we need. So and, and certainly in terms of delivering use flow, you know, this week we put out news flow. Last week put out news flow. Three weeks, uh, you know, three weeks ago we put out more drilling results. So the drilling results are coming out quite regularly now. I think. So we can expect to see regular drill results coming out as you start to build up a, a picture of what it is that you've got there, which is great. Which is great. Do you think that um, uh, what what is the end game for you actually? What is the? I know you've worked through through the gamut and stuff, but you you know what you love so. When you put out a maiden resource, what can we expect to see then, middle of this year, which is not too far away? It is not too this too far away, and I'm very conscious of that. Um, I mean, beyond that, obviously, what we we need to do is the maiden resource won't be. Uh, we have to follow the ASX rules, right? So, if you want to put out a scoping study, you have to have 75% indicated and measured. Um, we we're un likely to have 75% indicated measured in the first maiden resource. So more drilling is required um, to, to flesh that out. There's also more drilling required to pick up on, on, the, on the exploration leads that, that will be emerging to expand the potential resource further. Um, and then, and then you know, and this is one of the reasons why we have to get, get moving on, on getting a project team together. We have to start doing some baseline studies. So we have to think about environmental. Uh, we have to step up a bit on, on uh, the community engagement. We're already doing that. So there's a, there's a bunch of, of, if you like, soft things uh, that we've got to worry about, preparatory work we've got to worry about so that, so that we can flow from scoping study through uh, pre-fees and the feasibility. And so, so this, it's a pretty logical progression. The most important thing is to do it fast. So that is our intention.
you know, progressively build the project team, bring in the consultants and push it on as fast as we can through Facebook. Do you think you need to stop calling yourself a Greenfields exploration company? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what I mean? Because the conversation, you've moved the project Bandcamp along. So it's, it's, I don't think you can really call it Greenfields. And the reason I say that is there's a slight negative connotation with that description in the sense that, yes, it may deliver, you know, a, a high leveraged uh, risk associated uh, investment, but the risk bit puts a lot of people off too. So you, you've kind of delivered a bit more information to the market. You know a lot more about what you're dealing with here. And perhaps you would appeal to a different group of investors if you actually rebadged yourself somewhat. Well, that's probably true. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where we've come from. Uh, it's plainly not where we're going, although, you know, there may even be a fork in the road at some point because, um, Self-evidently, we're not bad at going and finding things. And you have to ask yourself the question whether our shareholder base want us to stop going to look for, for things or whether we turn ourselves into a successful mining company but continue to do exploration. And exploration remains part of the DNA. And I think that um, if this stays as a sort of unitary operation, that's what I'd prefer to see us going towards. Okay. Well, Paul, a great update. I mean, it sounds like we're going to be speaking a bit more regularly uh, as this news flow comes through. I'll be interested to see how you start talking about yourself in the marketplace. I think people perhaps need to view you as a different company from the one we spoke to in, in July. Thanks for your time today. Right. Thanks, Matt. Um, just like to take the opportunity just to talk about a few of the things that, that um, the market can expect from us um, uh, in the short term and through to the end of the year. Firstly, a lot of results, as we said, leading to the maiden resource. This uh, focus on getting uh, the oxide well characterised, very important for, uh, for economics, uh, getting a good idea down to 250 or maybe even deeper in the fresh rock. Uh, metallurgical test work, so we're, we're approaching the stage where we can do metallurgical test work. So those results are going to be very important. Um, and then beyond that, once we step beyond that, then you're going to, we're going to start start talking about how the, the company is evolving, what we're doing on the ground, um, more drilling results for the infill, more in the regional exploration, leading hopefully towards uh, a scoping study, um, maybe by the end of the year, maybe early in the following year, but certainly uh, going along at, at a rapid rate or not so that we can, we can start uh, demonstrating the value of this project in, in dollar terms to the market. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.